book of Hebrews chapter 4, we'll, beginning, we'll begin reading in verse 11. When you got it, say so. It says, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart and there is no creature hidden from his sight but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account lord we honor you today we thank you for your word that is holy your word that is truth your word that is able to set us free God, we bow our hearts before you, asking you today to give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying under your church through your word. We thank you because this word is living. It is a living document, Lord God. Not one that is altered, but it is one that is living. It is alive. And so, God, we thank you so much for your truth. We thank you so much for the riches that are found in your word. His hearts, Lord God, after yours. We thank you for this in Jesus' mighty name. Someone said, You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is going to be difficult. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hmm. The book of Hebrews chapter 4 introduces us again, and I say again because it's amazing how the Bible will continue to reintroduce certain topics. When you read your Bible, you find certain characteristics or certain themes that are found throughout the Word that are introduced to us over and over again. Like one would be the character of God. In different books, in different areas, in different situations, we, we dealt with this last week, we are introduced to God over and over and over again. He shows himself differently, continues in a progressive way revealing himself. You see in their Bible, you'll find that the scriptures show us that there is judgment for sin and there is judgment for disobedience. This is a theme that we see throughout the scriptures. We also find their blessing for faith and obedience. This is something that is a theme throughout the scriptures. We also see the Lord as Savior and the sacrifice for our sins, a, a theme throughout scriptures. Beginning in the book of Genesis, we see when God clothes Adam and Eve, with he, had, he clothed them with animal skins. We see sacrifice being made there, going all the way through to the book of Revelation. He is the lamb that is worthy, and so we see this theme being revealed to us. We see the coming of the kingdom and the glory that is to come. These are themes that are constantly being revealed to us throughout scriptures as we read them. And today, as we deal with this topic of, of, the, uh, of the essentials, last week we dealt with the topic that I believe to be the most important, and you know, in, in my opinion, is a real understanding of who God is. And today we're going to deal with the next matter of faith, and it is the Bible, looking at the scriptures. And we talked about our beliefs and how important our beliefs were last week, but just to kind of reiterate, our beliefs determine everything about us. Our beliefs determine what we will do and what we will not do. Our beliefs determine what we will live for. They also determine what we will die for. Our beliefs determine what we will stand for, and they also show us what we will fall for. 
This is what the, the, our beliefs are very important. Our beliefs need to be structured according to the scriptures. If our beliefs are not biblically rooted, we will not be the most fruitful Christians that we can be. If our beliefs are not aligned with the scriptures, we're not going to bear fruit the way that God desires. We're not going to be fruitful in all areas if our belief system is not structured by that. But even more importantly than us bearing fruit or not bearing fruit, if we are if we if, if our beliefs are not rooted in the scriptures, we will be guilty of hypocrisy. Why do you say that, Bishop? Because you will say, I will say, I believe in God, I love him with all of my heart, and yet your life will speak something different. If your beliefs, if my beliefs are not rooted in the scriptures, we're not going to be the Christians that God has called us to be. Therefore, we are going to be hypocrites. Because we're going to speak something else daily. We're going to speak something else when situations arise. We'll have a praise for God when we come together among people. We'll have praise for God when things are going well. We'll have praise for God when things are good. And, and sometimes even have praise for God when things are going bad. But when different situations arise, does my belief system align with the scriptures? Because then that's where it's going to determine how I'm going to respond, how I'm going to react, what I'm going to do, what I'm not going to do. It's important for us to realize this. So our belief system or our faith in God. Remember, we talked about the man who came to Jesus with a son who was demon-possessed like we, last week. You remember him, right? You remember that, that, that father came and, Je- and, he, and, he, and he insulted Jesus, right? He was like, well, if you can do anything, right, talking to Jesus, if you can do anything. So Jesus is like, if you believe, and he says, I believe, help my unbelief. And so we all struggle like that. So we realize it's our belief in God when we're talking about our belief system. And so our faith or our belief in God must be biblically sourced. In other words, the source of what I believe must come from one place, and that is the word of God. Say amen, please. It must come from the scriptures. But here's the issue. If we do not believe in the infallibility, the inerrancy, the immutability, and the inspiration of the Bible, how can our faith truly and fully be formed by it? If we don't believe that the Bible is infallible, if we don't believe that the Bible is inerrant, if we don't believe that the word of God is immutable, if we do not believe that the scriptures are inspired of God, how can our faith really be developed by it because we're not going to fully trust what the scriptures teach see here's the thing faith without the scriptures is not faith at all it's only superstition that's all it is you heard the saying right people talking about something well knock on wood what's that mean well what what, what, what does that mean I see Christians do it. And you know what? At this moment, I'm drawing a blank, so I'm not talking to anybody specifically in here. So if you've done this in front of me, please know I'm not saying this for you. But I see Christians. Knock on wood. What what does that mean? I looked it up to find out what does that mean exactly. First of all, Christians shouldn't be depending on luck. Hello, somebody. I got three amens and a couple of giggles, right? This is a good word for this church today. Glory to God. Right? Knock on wood. What is, you, know what, you, know, you know what it meant? Back in the days, way back in the days, you know, they, they, you know, you know and today, even today, they have people, they call them tree huggers, they worship trees. What they believed back in the days, spirits lived in the trees. Knock on wood. Wake up, spirit, I need some help. Christians, knock on wood. Mm-mm. 
I, I don't think you should be trying to wake up spirits. You don't need to wake up no demons. Hello. Mm-hmm. The reason I say that is because we laugh, but you know what, us Christians, mm-hmm, sometimes we're some of the most superstitious. You know what delivers us from superstition? And sometimes those superstitions come from mommy and daddy, grandma and grandpa, great-grandma. Just come up, you know, as you're growing up. People tell you don't even know why you do half the stuff you do. Spanish folk, you know, walk into the house of an elder and say, bendición, why do you say that? Glory to God. I, I don't do it. My mother never taught me that one, so it's new to me, you know, but I understand, you know, and they're asking for the blessing of the elders because they believe in that, right? So they're saying, yo, throw the blessing on me. I'm going to live like a heathen, but bless me. Here, listen, y'all, superstitious. Well, I walked out of grandma's house. She's holy. I'm blessed. I'm good. Going to the club, getting crazy. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I was talking, I had a conversation with someone. They, they, they had a, a, a grandmother passed away talking about the tradition of the family. Well, they do this thing, and I, and I was going to look it up. I, I didn't look it up, but, you know, anyway, they, they said that within the Catholic Church, what, what, what the tradition is in their, in their family is after, like, nine days of the person being dead, they get together, and they say the Hail Mary and the Rosary and all this stuff. Are you a Christian? Have you been delivered from that? Hail Mary, full of grace. I don't even know the whole thing because I was not Catholic, glory to God. But listen to me. This is the tradition. Why do we, why, why, why do we do Superstitious, man. We got to do this, right? Why do we have to do that? Is it in our Bibles? Does the Bible say to do the things that we're doing? Does the Bible say that we should be that? No, it doesn't say that. So our faith needs to be what? Based in the scriptures. The way that we live should be based in the scriptures. So I just have a few questions for you this morning, and we'll deal with, a, with, with, with these three questions that I have. The first one is this. Please repeat this after me. Do you believe, do you believe the Bible? is an infallible and inerrant source of information. My first point, do you believe that the Bible is an infallible and inerrant source of information? Do you believe that? It's, it's very important as a Christian that you, that, that you can answer that question. If you're a Christian, you should be saying yes. But I don't want you to say yes just because I said you're a Christian and you should say yes. I'm asking you, what do you believe? Again, I don't want you to just say amen because everybody else around you said amen. Do you really believe that? Do you believe that the Bible is infallible? In other words, that what is in the scriptures will not fail. What is in the scriptures will come to pass. Do you believe that what the scriptures teach are infallible, 100% trustworthy. Do you believe that? It is essential that as Christians that we believe that because if we believe that, we'll defend that and we'll say that, even if you don't have all of the answers. Listen now. I've told you the story before when, when I was like a couple of months old in the Lord, the Jehovah's Witness came knocking on my door. As they were knocking on my door, you know, I, I went outside and, you know, I had, a, I had a head full of knowledge. Hello. I was puffed up. I was ready for them. I was like, oh, y'all going to come and try to convert me, but y'all leaving here saved today. Right? Came up in my house, sat down. In my, actually, we didn't come inside the house. We were standing outside in the carport having this conversation. When I left that carport, I walked inside and I was like, man, am I saved? I was messed up, man. I was like, man, is my Bible right? I'm like, hold on a second. 
What do we believe? What do we stand for? You believe that the Bible is infallible? You believe that the Bible is inerrant, meaning that there are no errors in the Bible. You believe that? Or do you believe that there's some contradictions somewhere that you just don't understand? If you believe that there's contradictions in the Bible that you don't understand, you do not believe the Bible is inerrant. Did you hear what I just said? If you do not believe that, if you believe that there are contradictions in the Bible that are things that God just doesn't want you to understand, you don't believe the Bible's inerrant. Hear me? You don't. Doesn't be, it doesn't mean you're going to understand everything about God, but when it comes to the Word of God, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. Y'all remember Pastor Robert did the class with you? He went through the book of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and he showed you all of the different um, things that are in the gospel at the end, dealing with the resurrection of Jesus and how one person saw two angels, one person saw one angel, one person saw an angel on the top, another person. Did the Bible contradict itself? No. Different perspectives. God is, God, God is not contradicting himself in his inspiration of his word. The question is, do you believe it? If you are a Christian, you should believe these things. Why? Because there are many people, even some who say they are Christians, who question the reliability of the Bible. They question it based upon translation. You've heard it. You've talked to people about the Bible, and, you've, and I'm sure you've had conversations where someone is like, yeah, but that's just man's word. That thing's been tampered with for so many years, and, you know, different translations and all this. How can it all be right? They don't believe the Bible's inerrant. That's what they don't believe. The question is, what do you believe? Not what they believe. Remember, Jesus asked the disciples a question, who do men say that I am? All right, you told me all their opinions. Now, what do you say? Because what matters is what you say. What matters is what you believe, because what you believe is what you're going to live for, what you're going to die for. So the scriptures, there are a whole bunch of people that have that mindset. Oh, well, you know, the Bible's been tampered with. Man has changed this, words of that. It was written in Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic, and how can it all be the same? These are all questions that come up and, and, and begin to question what, what about the scriptures that we hold dear to, that we hold true to. Do we believe these things? It is important for us to note something. I want you to realize this, and this is, this is important for you to grasp. You can write these scriptures down, Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. You guys should know this story pretty well what was the first thing that the enemy questioned the first thing that he questioned did God say what was he questioning God's word this is not a new trick this is the first trick this is the first thing that happened was the questioning of the word of God. The only thing that's changed is that now we have scientists and dating and all this other stuff that goes on. So that, that's, but you know what's beautiful? If you really go on ahead and look at science and you find all of this stuff, all of the manuscripts that they found about our Bible, our Bible, all of these manuscripts, 99.99% of them say exactly the same thing. Is that not amazing? And nothing has changed. Nothing has. Throughout all of these years, if you look at how, how serious they were, when you go and you check these scriptures and you look at what it says here and what it means, all of these things are accurate. So it's all right according to science. We just got to know that. Hello? So the devil has been doing this. Why is it that he, wanna, that he wants to question the word of God? Well, it's pretty simple. Because when he questions the word of God, it's his only chance at disarming the church and keeping lost people deceived. If he can get you to question the word of God, he disarms you. Why? Because you're walking in doubt, not in faith. Because you're walking confused rather than assured of what it is the Bible teaches. And so that is what he wants to do. He wants to bring confusion because that will bring doubt. And hopefully while you're doubting and confused, you will miss the opportunity to share the life-changing gospel with other people while you're trying to figure stuff out. It is important that you realize that the battle is not about your house, your car. It is about souls. Satan wants to take souls to hell. That is his desire. Did you hear what I just said? 
He doesn't care how loud we praise. He doesn't care how long we worship. He doesn't care. Look, he, he doesn't even care that we spend three hours in a prayer closet. You know what he cares about? He cares about the fact when we get out and we start living faith in front of this world. He cares about the fact that we are going to come out of that prayer closet empowered, infused, encouraged, and move forward and share with this world the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. That is what he wants to stop. And if you doubt the word of God, he will stop you dead in your tracks. So I want to let you know something. As you go out and as you share the word of God, you are going to confront people that are going to have better answers about your Bible than you do. Do not let that hinder you from sharing the gospel with the next person. You and I do not have to have all of the answers. We need to have a relationship with the Savior, know what he's done for us, and share that with them. Because at the end of the day, this is not an intellectual battle. This is something that has to deal with salvation and eternity. Therefore, do not allow the enemy to to hinder you. Study the word of God to show yourself approved. A workman who has not need, be ashamed, but rightly knows how to divide it. Become that person that knows the Bible, but don't allow someone who thinks they know it all to make you be silent. Because then the enemy has won. So do we believe that the Bible is infallible? Do we believe that the Bible is inerrant? Are we able to say, no, you know what, that's fine, but here's the reality. The reality is, I may not have all of the answers, but I have the one answer that you need. Jesus. I want to give you a couple of things here. I was having a conversation with someone the other day, and we were talking about this. And if I'm going to talk about the inerrancy and the infallibility of the scriptures, I want to give you some external evidence. Because if I just go to you and I point out to you all of the internal evidence that's there, and these are things that some of you already know, some of the, some of the things that everybody understands this. But for some of you, you may not know this. You may not know these answers. And so write the notes down. Take these things down. When you look at the Bible externally, outside of the Bible, does anything outside of the Bible prove the Bible to be right? Does it? Is there evidence outside of the Bible that says the Bible is right? Evidence that everybody has access to. It's important that we know this answer because we need to be able to see this, okay? So first of all, we, we, we have to understand this. The Bible is geographically accurate. When the Bible talks about geography and says there was a mountain there, there was a hill here, there was a valley there, guess what? You go and look at maps, there's a hill there, there's a mountain there, there's a valley there. Hear me. The Bible is accurate geographically. The scriptures are accurate historically. When the Bible says that a war happened, a battle happened, a person was alive, external history, secular history confirms what your Bible teaches. Is that not awesome? That you can go and you can communicate to someone who says, I don't believe in your Bible, and how can you prove the Bible is right? Well, number one, the Bible is geographically correct. Number two, the Bible is historically correct. And now I could sit here and spend hours and hours and hours, and we could go through and break down and get Pastor Robert involved in and Pastor Chad involved, Pastor Al, and because it would take all of us to really be able to dig up every single piece of evidence and show you all the geography that's accurate. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you, the, I'm gonna give you the, little, the little jumping board, and you can go and look up the geography in your Bible and see if it's accurate. That's going to help your faith build. You go look up the history in your Bible and check, check secular history, those who weren't Christians and what they wrote and what they said, and see that it lines up. It's not out of line. But here's the one that is the most glorious of all. The Bible is prophetically accurate. One-third of your Bible is all prophecy. In other words, when I say prophecy, I mean predictive prophecy. Prophecy that says this is going to happen like this, this way, this nation, this way. I've gone through all of this in the book of Daniel. We talked about it, how atheists and those who hate the Bible hate the book of Daniel. 
Because their science messes them up. Because their science dates it as being older than all of these events. Glory to God for science. Hallelujah. Their science proves to them, man, those, those manuscripts are much older than all of these empires that came up after Daniel's day. And you know what they say about that book? Just that book alone. There is no way that this guy could have been so accurate unless he lived after the fact and was telling you about it. This is your Bible. That's pretty amazing, right? What does that tell us? Well, someone must have lived after and was telling us about it. Who was that? God Almighty, hallelujah. Someone was standing over here, right, looking back and saying, hey, I want to tell you something, Daniel. Let me, let me, let me just give you some information so you can throw it at these atheists that are going to come up later on. I want to throw something at you. This is our Bible. Infallible. Inerrant. Do we believe this? The Bible claims internally, the Bible claims itself to be the word of God over 2,000 times in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, over 2,000 times, this is the word of God. God said, thus says the Lord, over 2,000 times there, over 40 times in the New Testament, he, he speaks about the word of God. This is the word of God. God makes, he, he makes external examples and says, look, this is going to confirm what I've already said internally. He communicates himself pretty well. The second question that we have to ask ourselves, please repeat after me. Do you believe that the Bible is an immutable representation of God's standards and his will? In other words, do you believe that the Bible does not change? Do you believe that the standards that are in the word of God do not change and apply to every person, every generation, every nationality, every culture? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God doesn't? When, 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 when you look at God and, and when he says, and I'm going to give you some places where you can see that God says he doesn't change. I'll give you two. The book of Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, he says, I am the Lord. I change not. It's pretty clear. Right? I think that's pretty clear. I am the Lord. I change not. Great. Reference to God not changing. That's like me saying, I'm Jason, and I was born in Miami. Hello. Pretty clear reference, right? It's truth. I'm the Lord. I change not. The book of Hebrews, chapter 13 and verse 8, declares what? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forevermore. Another reference. When we look up that word, change not, <laughs> It means that he doesn't change. It means that he doesn't, I, I, I like this one portion of the definition. It means he doesn't disguise himself. I love that definition of that word. He does not, he's not trying to camouflage in and hang out with y'all. Hello. Like God is over here like, you know, incognito chilling like, yo, what's up? I want to deal with y'all. Hold on, hold on a second. I, I can't stand. I, I'm not even going to get into none of them right now because I just don't feel like offending you that way. I want to offend you so much. I'm just joking. I don't want to offend you at all. But, man, pe people got some stuff they say about Jesus, and I'm like, man, I don't know who you are talking about. Hmm. God shows us that he does not change. The question is, do you believe that? God shows us that his word doesn't change because he doesn't change. The book of John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was, was God, right? So that makes God and his Word the same. Therefore, God doesn't change. 
His word doesn't change. His standards remain the same. The greatest quest of many is the search for truth. The issue is too many people do not believe there is absolute truth. Too many folks don't believe there's absolute truth. They believe that, you know, it's relative to my situation. Would you say that about adultery? Is there ever a time that adultery is justified? Ever. Oh, when you're getting revenge? No. You should have forgave and moved on. Hello. I'm just paying them back. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm sure your mama taught you two wrongs. Don't make a right. Uh. So we understand here clearly, right? We have a clear, clear understanding. Clear understanding. God doesn't change. His standards don't change. What about murder? Is murder ever justifiable? Is it? Really? I I don't think it is. So then why do we flip-flop on the topics of abortion? I thought murder was never an acceptable practice. That's according to God's standards, right? I'm not trying to give some political spiel here. I could care less about all of that stuff. Our deliverance doesn't come from our government. It comes from God Almighty. Hello. So don't get it twisted. What does the Bible teach? It's not what I think. It's not what I feel. Here's, Here's what has to happen. When we look at our Bibles, we need to realize that there is absolute truth. And if we as Christians don't believe there's absolute truth, we need to repent. If we call ourselves Christians and we don't believe that there is absolute truth in the Scripture, then we need to repent. So what do we find? We find this. We find that the moral truth found in the Scriptures is absolute, transcending culture, transcending time, transcending all advancements in knowledge. Hear me. Turn your Bibles with me really quickly, please, to the book of Psalms 19. Very good portion of Scripture. I love this text. Speaking of the Word of God, Psalm 19, verse 7. Psalm 19, verse 7, when you got to say so, this is what the Bible says. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect. Is that what it says? That means for every generation, right? That means for our generation, the law of the Lord is perfect. What does it do? Converting the soul. Without the law, there is no conversion of soul. Hear what I just said. Very important for us to understand. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. You want wisdom? The testimonies of the Lord. What are written in the scriptures? That will make you wise. The statutes of the Lord are right. Always, throughout every generation, not just to some generations. Always, the statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. When you embrace that, you rejoice. When you do not embrace that, you reject it, and you end up experiencing the, not, not the joy of the Lord, but something else. You have to create your own type of peace. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. You want someone to wake up to their need for Jesus? Talk about the commandments of the Lord. It enlightens the eyes. This is what your Bible teaches. This is what our Bible shows us. And so God goes on, verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. For every generation, if Jesus doesn't come, 
by your great, 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 great grandchildren, guess what? This word will still be just as necessary, just as immutable. The question is, do you believe it? Do you believe that this word is immutable? It does not change. So we see the moral truths of God are, are, are immutable. We also see that the principles in Scripture are immutable as well. We talk about diversifying funds. The book of Proverbs talks about that. Hello? Way before there were stocks and bonds and all that stuff, guess what? The book of Proverbs already talked about it. Because God shows us his wisdom. All we have to do is study to show ourselves approved. God and his word are inseparable. Therefore, just as God is unchanging, so is his word. Amen? The third thing, please repeat this after me. Do you believe that the Bible is truly the only infallible, only inerrant, only immutable, only inspired word of God? You can have a document. You, 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 you can have a document that's immutable, that doesn't change, that stays like that forever. Your mortgage is like that. Hello? <laughs> the rules of that are going to be for the duration of that loan. Amen. Right? You can have a document that's inerrant. All facts are there. You can have a document that you can trust. You can, you, you can have all of those things. But to have a document that can boast that it is immutable, that it is inerrant, to have a document that can, that can boast that it is infallible and it is inspired is impossible. Inspired by God. For the Christian, for other people, it's different. The book of Quran, inspired. Right? You see this stuff on television, don't you? You see, you see these books that they found, these extra gospels there, right? They hold those as being inspired. You've seen Bibles way back in the day, right? And they have this, you know, Apocrypha in there, right? They hold those as inspired. Why don't we? Because they didn't pass the test. They didn't pass the test. The authorship was not correct. I want to give you just, just a couple of more things here regarding how do we get our Bible? How do we get these scriptures here? Well, the first thing that had to be there is that the author of any book in the Bible, this is the reason why the Apocrypha and all these other books don't make it is because they have to have the authorship had to be a prophet, an apostle, or a close associate. That was the first standard that was there. Authorship was important. Who wrote this book? Who gave them the authority to write it? So then when you move on, you know, and, and, we, and we understand, okay, the author of the book is important. The next thing is any other scripture that is going to be held as scripture doesn't only have to have the right author because if I go on ahead and I say, well, John might have wrote this, but it contradicts what Paul said, right? So it's not just one standard, not just who wrote it, but it is also, hold on a second, does it contradict anything over here? Also, they're going to ask questions like this. Does it align geographically? Does it align historically? Are the things that are in there aligned this way, proven to be inspired? It's going to ask these questions when they're going through this. And the other thing was that the church collectively, the people who have been entrusted in leadership, they were the ones who were going to say, this is Bible, this is not. This is how our Bibles were preserved as being the word of God. And so we see that there are some standards there that were held to make sure that these scriptures got to where they are today and there are no other books that are going to come out that are going to be inspired the word of God. Hear what I'm saying. Don't look for it, and please don't try to be the author of it. 
God, I'm going into a 40-day fast. I want an inspired word. Hold on a second. Take it easy. Folks did that, made some crazy religions. Hello. Hear me now. What we need to understand is that the Bible is the inspired word of God. I'm going to give you another scripture. Reference the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. It talks about all scripture being inspired by God. Y'all know for years that that has been one of my favorite words, the word theonustos, which means divinely breathed in. Theo, God, nustos, breath, God breathed. This is what your Bible is. That's why the scripture we started with, the word of God is living and active. It is alive. The word of God is living and active. God breathed it in. So that way we would be able to be corrected. So that way we would be able to be instructed. So that way we would be able to be prepared for every good work. God breathed this book so that way we would be able to know how to live and not just know how to live, but be empowered to live this way. The question is, do you believe that the Bible is inspired of God? And is it the only? Because here's the thing, and I'll, and I'll say this boldly. There's some people that hold the counsel of others higher than their Bible. There are some people who hold the opinions of others higher than their Bible. There are some people who have read many other books and have never gotten through the Bible one time. See, the, the, the reason that this question is so important is because if you really believe this is the inspired word of God, then you know what that means? That means that you are going to spend time in it. And not just spend time in it, but you are going to be devoted to it. You are going to want that word to be richly dwelling in your heart. As the Apostle Paul says, to let the word of Christ dwell, dwell richly within you. You are going to want to be that kind of, if you, but if you don't believe this, the, word, the, the Bible is just another book. There's no life in it. There's no truth in it. It's truth for some situations, not all situations. No, the Bible is everything that it declares itself to be. And we need to be the ones who go on ahead and say, you know what? If I believe that all scripture, if I believe that all scripture is breathed by God, then you know what that means? That means that I'm going to test every prophecy by what? The word of God. Brother Lewis and I were talking the other day. He was saying that there was someone who's predicting, what's the date again? The date? May 21st this year? May 21st this year, Jesus is coming. Write it down in your calendar. I don't know where they get these numbers from, Pastor Robert. The fact of the matter is, that, 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 let, 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 me, let me tell you what is even more sad. Because you're laughing, right? But let me tell you what's even more sad. This is his second prediction of when Jesus is coming. Same guy. His second prediction. The first prediction, he had people locked up in this place. They were like, yo, Jesus is coming tonight. We're ready to go. And then he has the nerve to predict the second one. That's the worst part is he's got people following him. There will be people locked up in whatever building he's in saying Jesus is coming today. And the day will come and the day will pass and Jesus will have not returned. And hopefully he will die before he predicts it again and makes a fool of himself again. Hello. Listen. Crazy. And before he dies, hopefully he will repent of his sin. Y'all are like, Bishop has no compassion. No, I do. I don't want him to be embarrassed, and I don't want him to burn in hell. Hello. <laughs> Glory to God. Like, 
Bishop, that's cold. You hope he dies, Bishop. <laughs> Listen, every prophecy, personal prophecy, someone comes and, you know, whispers in your ear a word, you better line that up with Scripture. To the script. What, now, now, now here's, here's the thing, what, what, what I'm saying is, if, if, if I went, right, or let's say somebody went up to my daughter and said, you know what? Your daddy said, go run out in front of that traffic. Not only because it's dangerous would she not do it, but she'd be like, my daddy said that? My daddy wouldn't say that. Because number one, my dad loves me. Number two, my dad is not crazy except about Jesus. Amen. Right? Do you know your daddy like that? Do you know him like that? Or do you get all confused when people start giving you conflicting messages? It's okay to go through that confusion state. Just make sure you go back to the source of all prophecy, the word of God. Is that what the scriptures teach? Does that prophetic word that you got align with the scriptures? Does it align with the character of God? Remember the, the things that I gave, she didn't realize this, but the things that I gave you in the beginning here, this is the, the, the constant theme throughout the scriptures, so you can align this up with those five things. I'm going to say them again. Does it align with the character of God? Does it align with God's judgment of sin and disobedience? Does it align with God's blessing for faith and obedience? Does it align with God's revelation of the Lord's Savior and sacrifice for sin, Jesus Christ? Does it align with the coming kingdom and the glory of God? Does it align with those things? Because that's what's in the scripture, throughout the scriptures, and so we have to ask ourselves when we get this prophetic word, how about when we going ahead and we and we look at other books other books christian you know christian literature found that people have written and they and, and they've done and they've had experience those books you know what you need to do you need to have your bible sitting next to you as you're going through those books and don't just read the scripture reference read the entire chapter if necessary read the whole book to find the theme of what is going on because people do it all the time. And I don't think they necessarily, they necessarily do it because they're being nasty or whatever. I think sometimes they're just careless in the way that they expound the scriptures. And so they'll take a scripture and they'll say, this means this. That's not what Paul was talking about. That's not what Jesus was talking about. That's not what this person, that's not what they were speaking about. That's not in the context of what was going on. It's important that we do that. How about this, because this is the most important one, because sometimes we hold people's opinions, other books at a higher standard than God, but what about the thing that really governs our life, our feelings, our emotions, our desires? What about those? We need to measure the way I feel, the way I think, the way I decide, the, the, the desires that I have, we need to measure them by what? The Word of God. If you really believe that this word is infallible, you really believe this word is inerrant, you really believe this word is immutable, and you really believe that the scriptures are inspired, then you will judge your own feelings, your own desires, no matter how good or bad they are, based on what? The word of God. That's what we'll do. We'll measure that based upon the word of God. The bottom line is this. The written word of God is and must always remain the final authority in our lives, in our doctrine, in our families, in every area. The word of God must remain the final authority, especially on our own hearts. And I'm closing with this. God is still breathing through his word. He's still breathing through his word. His word is living. He's not going to inspire more scriptures, but he is still inspiring lives through scriptures. 
He is still breathing life. He is still breathing conviction. He is still breathing deliverance. He is still breathing joy, breathing peace. He is still breathing into our lives the things that we need in order to walk with him and ultimately spend eternity with him. The question is, do we believe it? Do we believe this Bible? Do we believe it? Oh, well, I don't understand it. I didn't ask you that. Do you believe it? We're so busy trying to understand everything. Then I'll believe it. Listen to me. The Bible is a book that is to be believed, then obeyed. And when you are committed to believing it and obeying it, guess what God does? He opens your eyes. He illuminates your heart. And he shows you more and gives you more understanding because you are devoted to obedience. Why would God waste his time opening up his heart unto someone who is not devoted to listening to what he's saying and doing what he says? That would be purposeless. And I serve a God of purpose. He's not going to waste his revelation on anybody. He's not going to waste his understanding on anyone. He is looking for someone who says, I'm going to believe what this word says. If he says it as hard as it may be, I will do it. If he says it as hard as it will be to stand firm, I will stand firm in it. If he says it, I'm going to trust what he is saying. The question is, do you? Believe it. Do you believe these things about the Bible? If you don't, you need to get along with God. If you don't, you really need to wrestle with him, struggle with him until you come out believing. I want to read this to you. This book contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrine is holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be saved, and practice it to be holy. It contains light for direction, food, for, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Here, heaven is open and the gates of hell are disclosed. Christ is the grand subject. Our God, its design, our good, its design, and the glory of God, its end. It should fill your memory. It should rule your heart and it should guide your feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, health to the soul, and a river of pleasure. It is given to you here in this life and it will be open at the judgment, and it is established forever. It involves the highest responsibility. will reward the greatest labor and condemn all who trifle with its contents. That's your word, church. Stand to our feet and let us pray.